school can be tough. We'll help you navigate some of the areas you need help with, including the college preparation process by providing advice for families. Every student is different and has a unique path. That's why we created this podcast. Our innovative and intentional approach builds confidence in the individual student. Listen each week to find out how students can score better on college placement tests with techniques and methods that build confidence, beat test anxiety, and identify strengths within each student. You're listening to Simply Smarter with hosts Caleb and Jill. Check out our blog at GetSmarterPrep.com for more college prep-related topics. Hey, listeners, we've got a really great episode today that applies mainly to parents of the 8th, 9th, and 10th graders. Uh, But this is one question we get all the time, right? When should we start studying for the SAT or the ACT? So today we're going to break down when students should start preparing for the PSAT, SAT, or ACT college resume and when they should start putting together college lists. Let's get started. What's up, Caleb? Hey, Jill. How are you? I'm good. You? You know, I'm doing all right. Good. It was, it was kind of a weird day. I, I woke up this morning and I was like, is it still nighttime? Because the sun doesn't seem like it's out. I know. It was cloudy and rainy. Kind of weird. I know. Kind of gross. It's supposed to be like that for the next couple of weeks, like a couple of days until Saturday, maybe. Really? Yeah. Mm. Oh, well. It happens. Yeah, It's summer. It is. Okay. It's still nice. It's, relatively, it's still really nice. It's, yeah, it is. No, it I'll is. take I it. take this over snow any day. Yes, please. Any day, mm. folks. Any day. Man. Hey, Caleb, what is your favorite question that parents ask you here at Get Smarter Prep? A favorite? Mm-hmm. Man, I have a lot of favorites. Is that allowed? It's like a. Be- it's like I have seven yeah. best friends. Oh, you right? do? For I real? I don't know if I do for oh. real, but people <laughs> say that like, oh, I have seven best friends. Mm. Well, then is it a best friend or are they mm-hmm. just good friends? Close friends. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of favorite questions, but I can only have one. And for today, my favorite question. You can do top three if you'd like. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I like the flexibility you're offering. It is, yeah. Today, my favorite question is, hmm. No, I'm going to go with it. My favorite question is, does the PSAT translate directly to the SAT Mm. and the ACT, therefore? Yeah. Right? Yep. My student did amazing on the PSAT. Does that mean that they are going to do absolutely amazing? And and again, it's a fair assumption, right? Yeah. Most, Most people don't even... It's not even really posed as a question. It's, oh, they did really well on the PSAT, so we're going to do the SAT. Mm -hmm. That is it. Mm -hmm. End of story. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But not necessarily the case. Right. So a little bit of background. So the PSAT has always been geared toward junior year, right? Mm -hmm. October of junior year since forever. Yes. They have administered the PSAT. And the only reason the PSAT exists really is, well, two reasons. One, to give students exposure to the exam, mm-hmm. right? Kind of understand what of the SAT looks like mm-hmm. and a flavor for it. But the other reason is for national merit concerns. Right. 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 So who actually becomes a national merit semifinalist? Well, there's 1.6 million entrants a year. Right. A massive amount of students. Because almost all juniors take it. Right. Right. Most of the time, schools pay for it. Right. Absolutely. So you might as well. Right. Parents are going to sign their students up. Students are going to complain about it. (laughs) Naturally. Some of them. Naturally, though. So 
What percent of students do you think become national merit semifinalists? Mm, not many. One percent. One percent. Yes, I got it right. You nailed it. Look at yes. you. You didn't even need multiple choice. I know. I Ooh, like it. I do love multiple choice. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. So one percent will become uh, semifinalists. And mm-hmm. then again, there's always a few that don't make it on to become finalists. And to become a finalist is the only thing that really matters for the PSAT. Okay. Other than maybe that exposure that I talked so about. So how do you become a semi-finalist? Is that because of your strictly, high score? Strictly based upon the score. Okay. So then to become a sem- to go from a semi-finalist to a finalist, a student actually has to take an actual SAT to substantiate their score. I feel like that's a trick. That's a thing for sure. I feel like we already took the PSAT. We already took it. <laughs> now I have to take an SAT. Yeah. Come on. That's a thing, right? Well, more so, practice. So you have that's to do good. that. And then there's an application process that you kind of have to go through. Some more hoops to jump through, all that kind of stuff. You know, some references from your school. Mm-hmm. But most students who are semifinalists become finalists because if you've already gone through it you've scored well like that's really the tough part let's make sure that we we finish up that process Mm -hmm. right so it narrows down to what 2500 winners yeah very very small i think it's a little more than that i think it goes from twenty six thousand down to twenty five thousand. but again out of one point what do you say 1.8 million 1.6 million Mm -hmm. that is not a very large number and and you get what for a scholarship twenty five hundred dollars twenty five hundred dollars okay which sounds great Right. But you've jumped through how many hoops to get there, right? Right. You've spent so much time and energy on this for a $2,500 scholarship. And, one time. It's one time. Freshman year, which is $2,500. Mm-hmm. In our last podcast, podcast two, mm-hmm. we talked about the scholarships and the value, right? Mm-hmm. $2,500 could mean a lot at some schools. Yeah. But some schools, if they cost sixty grand a year, mm-hmm. well... Jump change. You made a little bit. That's good. But how could we have maybe allocated that time differently? Right. 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 Maybe your grades would have been slightly better. Maybe maybe your ACT or SAT score could have been higher had you not been doing all these other things mm-hmm. and thinking about whatever. So, again, kind of keep that in mind. So, let's go back to what you mentioned before, your favorite question. I got a 1400 on the PSAT, so I'm probably going to get a 1400 on the SAT. Is that correct? Because I've read different things on the internet oh the internet the internet yes so those are that's one of our favorite things the other thing is oh these other parents told me Mm -hmm. uh, we call that the parent echo chamber Mm -hmm. one group of parents will say one thing and another group will say something else so what's right right what do you believe neither so answering your question does a 1400 on the psat translate to a 1400 on the sat right no not really right sometimes there's always there's always sometimes Those cases, right yeah but the first thing to keep in mind is that the scales are different okay okay so the PSAT I don't and again this is what happened one of the things that happened when uh, College Board revised the SAT in 2016 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they also revised some things with the PSAT and added in the PSAT 10 and the PSAT 89 mm-hmm. and with that they changed the scale so it makes it even more difficult to compare this one test the PSAT that looked a lot like the SAT but it was kind of shorter and easier right it was already kind of tricky to compare those two now they've gone to a 1520 scale As instead of a, a 1600 scale mm-hmm. And for for what reason we don't really know. They don't, they don't didn't disclose that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's even more difficult. So if anything, like maybe you should drop that eighty points, and maybe that fourteen hundred, maybe you should expect more of a thirteen twenty or something along those lines. 
at sense. the very best, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we know that the SAT is a longer, more difficult test mm-hmm. than the PSAT. Right. And the PSAT is a more difficult test than the PSAT 10. And the PSAT 10 is more difficult than the PS- PSAT 8, 9. Right. And they're going to cover different, different, you know, subjects because, yeah. you know, you don't, you're not going to learn algebra two in the eighth grade. Right. So how could they cover that? I mean, somebody does probably, but most do not. And that's not what it's geared toward. Right. So if your kid is in algebra two as a as an eighth grader, kudos to them. Congrats. But they are the exception. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So comparing one to the other is not always that good, because most of the time when we're looking at something more difficult and we have so much more time. Um, and more questions with that. There's a fatigue factor that kicks in. Mm-hmm. So almost in, in almost all cases, we see a lower SAT score than what we see for a PSAT score. Mm-hmm. Right now, n- not to get too conspiracy theorist here, oh but I'm going to jump into this. Oh boy, right? here we go, hey, folks. Listeners, take this or leave it. This is just one man's <laughs> opinion and one man's thought. So. Hold on to your seats, everybody. Here it is, right? (laughs) The suspense. So... One of the things that I've seen and we've we've kind of watched along uh, along the way over the last couple of years is that so many students come in to get smarter prep with their PSAT scores and say like, hey, mm-hmm. this is I did great on this. I want to take the SAT. This right. is end of story. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't need to I'm take ready a to go full SAT test because right. I already took the PSAT. Right. Or, and I definitely don't need to take an ACT because I already know I'm mm-hmm. better at this, even though they don't have anything to compare it to. Right. Yeah. Right. right. But the, if you look at the percentile chart, there are a lot more scores in the top 1% in that 99th percentile than on the SAT. And this is where my conspiracy theory kicks in. I'm using that data and that information and knowing the population of students who are taking the test mm-hmm. to tell me that, you know what? I think there's a chance that the SAT is skewing some of those numbers on the PSATs <gasps> what? to try to, to, to try to drive students to the SAT. Yeah. So since since about 2011, the ACT overtook the SAT. And and again, think about that. Mm-hmm. In context of the US, our population centers are definitely along the coast. You have New York and Boston right. and Miami. And then you have on, on the West Coast, you have LA and mm-hmm. San Francisco and whatever else, right? Yeah. That's where all the big cities are. Yep. Well, those are traditionally SAT areas. But now there are more ACT students than SAT. So, so College SAT Board keeps losing scrambling. some market share along the way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is maybe something that they're kind of trying to leverage to kind of drive a little bit age. more business yeah, later absolutely. on. So uh, take, it, take it or leave it. But that's something that I, I kind of see and I, I'm a little bit skeptical, mm-hmm. especially with all the changes that College Board has made over the years and some of their... Some of their challenges, I'll leave it at that. I won't say anything else, but some of the challenges they've had uh, since the rollout in in March of 16. No, that makes sense. I think I'm on board with that conspiracy theory. It's It's not too far out there. It's not too far. Yeah. I, I mean, I. This is the thing. Whenever there's something that's just not explained and it statistically shouldn't be a thing, like mm-hmm. it's easy to make some. But you, you just have to read into it. You have to figure out like what is going on. Yeah. So maybe why it's not even conspiracy, this? but it's just like, hey, they didn't disclose what is mm-hmm. going on or why is why this is happening. So this is my own this is my own judgment, right. my own no, experience I'm, over 15 years. That in makes sense. It makes sense. What's your other conspiracy theory? Do you mm. have another one? 
I'll, we may get to that later. Oh, maybe. the suspense maybe. is maybe, killing right? me. It's killing. Well, let's go. Let's take one step back. What about the Duke tip? Because we've had yeah. we've had parents kind of discuss that a little bit um, as a precursor to even the PSAT eight nine. Right. So tell us a little bit about the Duke tip and when and when students usually start that. So Duke tip is a program that is administered by guess who Duke essentially in collaboration with College Board mm-hmm. and basically. A, a certain subset of students are invited to take the ACT or SAT as seventh graders. Wow. That is really, really early, Smarty right? Smarty pants. Yeah, right. So generally speaking, my understanding is that a student has to be scoring at least in the top 5% in one section of a state exam. Okay. For the school to nominate them to, to take the ACT or SAT. So mm-hmm. first of all, right off the bat... Most students haven't learned the material for an ACT or SAT by seventh grade. Right. Okay. So don't expect to have an amazing score Mm -hmm. right off the bat, even though the kid is very, very intelligent. Right. right? So that's the first piece. The second piece that kind of goes along with that is making sure that the student knows going in, they're going to be going in on a national test date as a seventh grader with a bunch of juniors and seniors in high school. They're going to look so little. Right, they're so little. And it can feel intimidating. Absolutely. Right? So it, it can you can kind of feel cool, I guess, right? Like well, yeah. With all the high schools, yeah. the big, bad all high the schoolers. Big kids. But it's still kind of kind of rough for right. a lot of students. Right. So Especially kind of preparing them for that. Any kind of difference. anxiety whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Oof-da. Oof-da. All right. So, so so tell me this. So if you take the Duke tip, would you still prepare for the PSAT? Or do you like skip right over that? You, you could. Again, the PSAT has that different, the, the different kind of, it's fitting a different, different puzzle. Mm-hmm. What, what's the word I'm looking for there? Yeah, I get yeah, it. It's, it's, it's just something different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take the place of that. And colleges aren't going to use a Duke tip ACT or SAT for college admission, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to still require it during sophomore, junior, or senior year, technically. Okay. Okay. What if the what if the seventh grader did really well in Duke Tip? They still won't accept it? Yeah, they still probably won't look at it. Usually there's there's a time limit, a gap. Now, if that seventh grader is so brilliant that they did amazingly mm-hmm. and then they graduate in two years. Right. Right. Then, yeah, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> then they can use it. Okay. We're talking Doogie Hauser here. <laughs> That's always fun. Man, I loved Doogie Howser as a kid. I think I was actually a little too young what? to watch it. Huh. All right. But I do remember. Like, I remember it. Remember him coming home after, at, at the end of every episode, he'd be typing on that, on his computer in his room. Oh, yeah. With the green screen. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, man, remember those? Oh, <sighs> such a long time ago. Yeah, that one's, that's a throwback for you parents out there. Is that in the 90s? That must have been mm-hmm. early eighties. Late, I would say late eighties. Maybe, maybe it touched into like ninety and ninety one. Yeah, but I would generally say late eighties. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a throwback. Hmm. I think of it as kind of around the same time as the Wonder Years. Oh, remember yeah. that? Yeah, Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Our generation, I feel like, generally knows Ben Savage more because right. of Boy Meets World. Oh yeah, that is Ooh. so funny. Mid nineties. Yeah, but Princess Bride. Princess Bride. He was the kid. That the grandpa read to. Yeah, he was. I just completely blanked on that. I was yeah. like, I was trying to picture him in the story, and I was no. like, Nope, nope. No. I think you're wrong. But no. yeah, he's the, the grandpa's reading them the yeah. story. Yeah, hmm. that's fun. Oh, Brett Savage. So, so fun to go back. So fun to go back. So if you're a little bit confused as to what we're talking about, we actually have a very good visual map that we have online. We refer to it as a roadmap to success. Mm-hmm. So it clearly breaks down, even has like a start and an end button. <laughs> um, you know, where you start, start at Duke, 
Duke tip um, while you're in middle school, and it kind of goes on onto ACT, SAT, high school options, college prep, and even even beyond that. Um, so if you kind of wanted to look at some things, so you're more of a visual learner, go ahead and go on uh, GetSmarterPrep.com and just type in Roadmap to Success, and you can see that. And it, it, it helps me. I'm a visual learner, so me I'm too. into that. Me too. But yeah. The other thing that I want to at least briefly touch on before we, we, we kind of say goodbye to, to oh, yeah. our audience here. I'm not saying goodbye. Is, I'm just okay, saying okay, there's a roadmap okay, to success online. Good, good. <laughs> is I, I would definitely want to talk about when should students pre- start be preparing for the ACT or the SAT, mm-hmm. right? Fair question. Or the, even the PSAT. Yeah. <clears throat> so one of the things we need to keep in mind is that the tests... Well, the ACT has been stable for years and years and years. Yes. Even the ACT made some slight changes back in about 2015, Mm -hmm. where they kind of took some new styles to questions in reading and in science. Okay. And they're even doing experimental sections now, so there could be changes down the road, right? Okay. Only to better the test. Yes. To improve it, make sure that the questions fit and are right for the students. Mm -hmm. Now, the SAT has gone under... Has has undergone a lot of big changes over the years. So yeah, they in have 2005. So most of the parents out there listening, at 2005 they made some revisions and got rid of those analogies that we all loved slash hated okay. <laughs> back in the day. Right? This is to that. Is that is to this? Yes. Yuck. Oh, it takes a minute to think about, it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's fun. So they got rid of those. So for 11 years until 2016, students didn't have that, but they still had the tough vocab, right? And there was still the penalty for guessing and all of that. Mm. But when they made the revisions in 2016, they got rid of all of those pieces. So okay. now the SAT looks like looks a lot more like the ACT, which again, from our world, is kind of funny because the right. SAT is like this big brother, the right. the cool big brother that lives in New York City mm-hmm. compared to the ACT who lives in Iowa City. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Nothing so, wrong with Iowa. No, no, nothing wrong with Iowa. Here's, here's the Midwest, right? <laughs> Cheers. So... It's, it's been interesting to see the how these changes have, have hindered the growth for the for the SAT and how they've kind of tried to combat that. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of my conspiracy theory went to some of that earlier. Oh, yeah. Right. But the the ACT has just taken over that market share. But I, I say all this to, to bring us back to when should we actually start? Right. Well, if the tests are going to maybe potentially change, why would we start preparing as seventh graders? Mm, Think so about hardy. it. We had students who we always have parents who as of seventh and eighth graders who reach out to us and want to start preparing at seventh or eighth grade. They do, yeah. Now imagine if they were doing that in 2013 or 2014. And then everything changed. Everything changed. And any prep that they were doing for those two or three years was completely pointless. Oh, man, that hurts. Because the test changed, right? So there is absolutely a time frame that is far too early to begin preparing. Right. Now, I also think there's a time frame that's too short, mm-hmm. right? So I don't think most students should be taking their first test as a senior. Right. Right. I, I know that the October ACT is the most commonly taken exam in the U.S., and it's primarily because seniors are taking it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's their last time. <laughs> kind of has right. to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe one more after that. So... There is something as as too late and preparing for it. It's not like if you're going to take October of senior year, you shouldn't be starting on October 11th for the October 26th ACT, right? That's far too short. You can't just fit in a couple quick sessions and, you know, improve your score six points. Right. It's not happening. Right. 
So the sweet spot is making sure that you're taking the test during junior year, mm-hmm. uh, leaving leaving junior year with a score that you're happy with, right? Mm-hmm. There's seven test dates from September all the way through July. Perfect. You can enter senior year with a score that you feel pretty good about, mm-hmm. you're confident in, and now you can actually start kind of making sure you have a good list of colleges yes. to, to be looking at and to consider, and then you can start that application process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that makes perfect sense. So again, eight to 10 weeks yeah. prior to a test date is a good... In, in most cases, it's plenty. Time. Yeah. Now, if, if a student, so we see this a lot. Our goal for all of our students is to take the test one time and be done with it. But we see a lot of students who their score goes up and now their goal has shifted. <laughs> their goal, their has goal gone has also up. gone up. <laughs> so then they want to take the test again and maybe they take it a second time or at max a third time. Mm-hmm. But in, generally speaking, like scores tend to either plateau or start regressing once mm-hmm. a student has taken it more than three times. What about a super score? If they if they have a college that super could, scores. Yeah, really good question. So I'm working with a student right now and she has taken the test a couple times mm-hmm. and her, her super score is a point higher than her highest score and and like three points higher than her second or her other test. Yeah, good right? for her. So she did really, really well mm-hmm. and pulled it all together. So she's up a combined six points now, which is yeah, great, perfect. right? And her her school is basically taking a look at the, the test that she's taken and taking the best section from each exam. I feel like that's genius. That is, why wouldn't you? Right. It's still testing the same stuff. It's the same right. material. And if you're a college, like, guess what? Your college rank just got better because you have a higher, yeah, true. higher average ACT. Absolutely. It's the a win, win for win, everybody. Win. Yeah. Right. I love it. Higher scholarships, better chance of getting in, whatever mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So making sure that um, you are kind of paying attention to those little details along the way. And if you, again, if all of your schools super score, I'm going to give you a little hint here. Most of the schools in our region, immediate region, do not super score. Okay. But you're going to have to check that out for each individual institution. Because even, I love this example, University of Arkansas, mm-hmm. very popular school for students at the Casey area because right. they will reciprocate in-state tuition for out-of-state students, right? Love it. That's pretty awesome. They actually evaluate the ACT differently from the admission office to the financial aid office in the same school. What? That doesn't even make sense. Why would they do that? So admissions, they will not use a super score. They'll just take your highest score on a single sitting. Okay. But financial aid will super score your ACT for scholarship reasons. Really? And it just goes back to this whole thing, like... At each college, these the policies are set by people who think they're smarter than everybody else, <laughs> right? And in a nice, friendly, fun, right, kind of elbow in the in the side kind of way. Right, right. The same thing happened there at University of Arkansas, apparently, right? Mm-hmm. Like one set of people think, oh, we need to do it this way, and in this other set, we need to do it this way, right? And they just allow the provost or the dean or whoever just said okay just just do it and that's going to be different for every school so Absolutely. just make sure you check your college list and see what they want because like you said it could be different from admissions and financial so that's kind of weird to me but hey if it works it works there it is right can't argue against that what about uh your college resume when should we start preparing that so generally speaking, your college your college resume is something that you're, you're going to want to pull together everything from your entire high school career. Mm-hmm. So even if in ninth grade, if you just, it doesn't have to be super formal, but if you just make sure you take note mm-hmm. of different service projects that you're a part of, different clubs, jobs, mm-hmm. clubs, Volunteer. whatever it is, yeah, mm-hmm. throw that in on a, on a Google Doc or something. Right, right. Like just have that handy and keep building on that through freshman and sophomore and junior year. Because when you get to the summer before senior year, 
that'll make that process so much easier, mm-hmm. right? So many applications want to know that these extracurricular activities and you can pull like your top five or 10 or whatever you want to do and make sure that you are highlighting those pieces along the way. Perfect. It'll also give you a good opportunity to go back and look at what you've done and think about the experiences you've had in your life so that you can also maybe kind of target an essay in that regard. Yeah, well, that'd be awesome. So Absolutely. I think that's a good good kind of path to follow mm-hmm. when, when, whenever possible. Awesome. Now, if you are a parent of a sophomore and they haven't done that yet, well, it's not too late to start. Right. It's never <laughs> so jump too late. Yeah. Well, jump it might in. be too late, like senior year, but. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I love that devil's advocate. Right. <laughs> and you, yeah. Ninth grade, it's the best, best time to start. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Well, if you have any further questions about how early is too early, please contact us directly. Otherwise, thanks for listening to our podcast today. We hope we've cleared up any confusion when it comes to the appropriate time to start preparing for the Duke tip, PSA. SAT and ACT. Make sure to take a look at our roadmap to success on our website, getsmarterprep.com for further guidance. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks guys. All right, bye. Bye. Join us next week as we'll have a special guest join us, our very own college counselor and tutor, Alana Guerin. Alana is going to share what it takes to make a great college essay, give us some tips for preparing college lists, and how she can help with the college admissions process. And as always, if you like our podcast, please make sure to subscribe, comment, and give us a five-star review. See you next week.